Our scripture tonight is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. We're reading from the New International Version. Just as the body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but many. Now, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Doug asked me to come and talk to you some about calling and how to understand that, what's... uh, kind of some of the material that I've been working through. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the first time we went through this with the Monday night group, it took five and a half months. And the, uh, yeah, and so have recently distilled it down to about 15 hours of content. And uh, it's just not, I'm not going to be able to hit all the highlights here for you tonight. That's not going not gonna to work. Um, but uh, it just wouldn't be very digestible, really. Um, but I did want to give you a couple of key pieces that I thought were particularly important for where we are right now as a congregation. Um, the, uh, so some of you, you know, know your calling. Some of you are desperately trying to figure it out. But I do want to give you some encouragement. And the fact is that God knows how he's made you. He knows how he's called you. And he is at work. Uh, and uh, so either way, no matter where you are on that spectrum of like, I think I've got it all figured out to... I really don't know uh, even what to make of that. Um, no matter where you're on that continuum, God's drawing you, and he's definitely got plans and hope and purpose for you. Um, but either way, I see, I see in our congregation a really deep desire to align with where God's activity is in our community, in our city. Um, and so... I just want to go through a couple of things to kind of keep in mind with that. Um, 
So I'm going to jump back to our principal verse in a minute, but uh, just a couple of quick things here. Uh, Mark 3, 14 through 15 says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So one of the things to, uh, that I just want to point out quickly is that whenever you're talking about calling, first and foremost, it's an invitation to intimacy with him. Joining with his activity is something that he's saying, I want you to be with me. To do stuff, that, that comes out of that. So, um, so that, that's, that's definitely one point I wanted to, to hit on. So that, that leads us in a position where we tend to confuse a lot of things about what we think is our job versus what we think is God's job to do. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that sits in our bucket is to cultivate intimacy and surrender. Because, you know, John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants but because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So if you put that in context with the fact that we're not our own, we're bought at a price, and then he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, that puts us, you know, Cultivating intimacy and surrender is the chief thing that we can do to really best align with our calling and God's activity around us. So, because um, intimacy leads to revelation, revelation uh, surrender leads to obedience. So I just want to take a little bit of the pressure off of you that says, I've got to figure this all this stuff out. He's the one who calls you. So just dig into him. And uh, if you think you're sitting here thinking I've missed it, you haven't. <laughs> so, um, so another point, which uh, we're not going to dig too deep into today, but I uh, just wanted to give you a little bit of context on. Ephesians 4 uh, talks about Christ giving some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And it goes on from there to talk about from how the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we see in the middle of that that there are some who equip, but all of us have ministries. This is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So every one of us has got some kind of call to a ministry in our life. Um, so just in case you're sitting here going, I don't, you know, that's, that's those guys who kind of sit over there. Or, you know, that's Doug. Or that's whoever's full-time employed somewhere on the mission field. Every one of you has a call from God. Sorry, I'm skipping around on my notes here because... I did not lay it out for this format. Um, so, where do I want to? But where I really want to dig in tonight, though, is is in this First uh, Corinthians twelve passage. We see this beautiful picture where Paul's laying out, "Hey, it's the body. It's not just not just this part or that part or exactly." So. I don't think that we really realize enough how much we actually need each other. The context within which we exist is important to understand the way that we're made to bring God's kingdom, the way that we're made to, 
to really reflect his image and bear his presence. Um, unfortunately, most often, we're trained by cult the culture we live in to think pre from pretty individual lens. Um, like, hey, this is about me. This is understanding my call. That's probably about understanding how, how I can... Oops. How I can really feel like I'm doing something well with my life, right? That's, that's where we tend to, tend to jump on this, but it doesn't happen in a context of a vacuum. It doesn't happen in isolation. We think, if I know me, then my part works fine and the body is fine. There's some truth to this. However, I'd say you can't fully understand yourself without understanding the parts of the body that you're connected with to work together. We tend to look at passages talking about different gifts and ministries to understand how God has made and equipped us. Again, if this is valuable, but if we look at the context of even those scriptures, right before this scripture here in, verse, in, in chapter 12, he's talking about gifts. Right after this, he's talking about love. All of this stuff is in the context of he's talking about the health, healthy spiritual community. So we tend to look at these things because our, our culture has said, no, you know, this is about you. But everything Paul's talking about here is he's saying this is in context of the community. So each of us have a calling with some specific spin on the general call of believers, right? You know, it'd be priests, right? To bear his image, to bear his presence. Um, there's a specific way, there are specific ways in which he's inviting each one of us to partner with him in his activity to reflect his kingdom, here and now, as a prelude to the kingdom to come. So thinking about this metaphor of the body, why is this important? Why does Paul sit here and give us this pretty cool picture, but how is it more than just a theological construct? Um, how is it relevant? Why is this important, important view to take when you're going... How am I called? How am I made? And how am I able to align and join in with the activity of God around me? Well, if you think about a bicep, right? At its basic fundamental parts, it's, it's a muscle. And if, and if you can sit out here and say, I know my call, and I'm a muscle, and the best thing I can do is I'm going to con contract and expand for all I'm worth. If it doesn't understand that it's related to a tricep, if it doesn't understand that that tricep is framed by, by tendons that join it to, a, uh, to bones and ligaments that join it to another piece of the body, and it just goes, I'm just going to expand and contract, it's not doing it in sequence. It's not doing it in understanding the way that it works with something else. And so you get a seizure. But instead, if you go, okay, I can understand that I'm a bicep, because I'm a muscle that's attached to this other muscle, that's attached to this other, other place. Um, so, you know, lungs oxygenate blood. Blood brings fuel to the cells. Nerves transmit information to different parts. Ligaments hold the joints together. Tendons hold the muscles on. All these things work together in an arm to enable reach. So if we think of joining with the activity of God as something that the body does and not just what a part does, I think it helps us to better understand how we are engaging him, our Lord, and how we're actually engaging the people around us. Um, so, there's two ways that I'd say that you can look at this, and these are just some good questions to ask, ask from people who know you really well. 
Um, one is, is about general functionality, right? So a bicep always needs a tricep. It's always you know, working this way and says, hey, I need this other piece over here. The other way is in the current activity that you've been invited to partner with the Lord in. So the context you're in, you're, say, you're looking around, you're saying, you know what, in this job, in this season, there's other people who've been invited into the work of God in that same space that you're in. And a lot of times we tend to go in there and say, hey, this is, he's giving me this job. And we ignore the other parts. So I would encourage you, look around and say, God, who else have you put here? And how are we made to work together to support one another? Because you're probably not the only one he's placed there. And he's designed us to operate in community because he operates out of community. The Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, divine community, they are constantly working together. And they're constantly loving, pouring out love towards one another. If we look at that as being our model, then we should be looking at how is it that I'm made that's actually pouring into somebody else that's actually helping towards something else that he's doing, rather than just, I'm here, and that's it. So, good news about that, right? That means we're not alone. We're not meant to be alone. It also means that we don't have to try and bear the responsibility for the, enti- the work of the entire body or the entire part that's at work in an area. So, some practical examples of this, because I'm sure you're kind of going, okay, yeah, this is, I, I can follow where you're going. So back to Ephesians for a second. We see there are five different ways uh, that five different functions that exist for equipping the body. That's, That's one type of ministry. But if the pastor doesn't understand the evangelist and how he relates to the evangelist, he's just going to be operating in isolation and is only going to be slightly effective, I would say. If the apostle doesn't understand the pastor or the teacher, they're only going to be slightly effective. So the evangelist is a type that wants to take the hill all the time. They're saying, hey, we see people dying out there, and they need to know Christ. The pastor is a type that says, we need to care for people. We need to hold, uh, we need to hold, hold the ground, and we need to make sure that we're healthy and we're operating well together. These are two tensions these are two tension points. And if we cut those in isolation, we say, okay, evangelist, you go do your thing. Pastor, you do your thing. Well, suddenly we've, we've lost the draw to actually go out and do the work of ministry. Suddenly, because the evangelist is saying, yeah, I'm going to take the hill by myself, and the rest of you aren't getting my voice. So I think it's real valuable to look at. In your life, there's ways that God has consistently moved through you. There's ways that he's consistently brought a reflect, some reflection of his character, some reflection of his nature, some, some expression of his kingdom. Look around, ask people who you're in community with. Ask your small group and say, hey, how do you see God constantly at work, consistently at work through me? And more specifically, how does that actually support the other people that you see around me? Similarly, you know, what are the ways that you see God working through me that requires the support of others. And if you're in a specific area that you're like, hey, you know what? 
I really feel like the Lord has, has put me over here for a reason. Most of the time, I tend to see this. Uh, for me, I, I tend to see this a lot of times with organizations. Um, if you happen to be walking somewhere and you're saying, I don't know exactly what God's at work here doing, find another believer in that context and say, hey, let's ask and inquire of him together. What is his activity that we may only have a piece to see? What is that, his activity that, you know, you see this part and I see this part and I know he's gifted me this way. I don't, and maybe I don't fully understand how he works consistently, consistently through me, but we can learn that together. Bring your perspectives together and say, okay, we're just a part and we're here for your glory, Lord, and we're here to know you more through the very, through the very place you've placed us. But here's the thing back to John 15 for a minute. Not only has he called us friends, he said that he's... Everything he's learned from the Father, the Father he's made known to us, it's real easy to feel lost and kind of like, I'm not really sure where he's at work. He's faithful to reveal. He's faithful to do that. But we can't, we can't often see those things just by ourselves. So just rejoice in the fact that he says, hey, all right, I'm with you, and I want you to know where I'm at work. My sheep know my voice. I can't go into too much more without taking more time than we have. But... I do really want to reiterate. Cultivate intimacy and surrender because that's the part that's in your bucket. That's the part that's in your control. And he'll be faithful to reveal and he'll be faithful to put all the pieces out there. God is working through you and he is inviting you into his activity. And take time to actually pay attention and ask the hard questions of how do you fit with the other parts of the body? whether it's in an enduring way, and you know, hey, he always uses me this way, and I always need these types of people around me. And it might be in a contextual way where you're saying, hey, okay, right here, right now, you're at work here. You've brought me here for a reason, and I know you haven't brought me here to be alone. 